guys welcome back to the kind of funny games cast as always i'm tim gettys joined by one of the coolest dudes one of the happiest dudes ever greg miller we want everybody snyder why, cuts why are you happy greg snyder cuts coming everybody justice league four hours maybe six episodes gonna be fucking dope fuck you tim for all the shit you talked suck it kevin suck it everybody in the oh, world the, the shit the shit will still be talked this doesn't change any of that <laughs> we'll see. i am we'll see how so you excited four for hours of the justice league cut i hope that they do do the miniseries thing i think that is the best possible outcome for this <laughs> yeah. give us more let's just uh, they- fuck it 10 hours why not I hope you they milk it to death, man. They're giving him $20 million <laughs> to finish this movie. Finish the movie. Do a documentary. Tell everything. Have a fucking tell a Madden straighter where he's circling everything into the Whedon cut that he didn't do and doesn't want. Let's go. It's funny, man. Oh, I, was, you know, I was looking at uh, Justice League, and I was really trying to think about it. I was like, what? What was wrong with the movie? Uh-huh. Like, what, uh-huh. what do they need to fi- – oh, more money. That's what we need to do. Like, let's <laughs> give them exactly. more money. Exactly. That should fix everything. We have the former and former Imran Khan. I like the idea of taking things that aren't well liked and giving them to just different directors to give it like give Taika Waititi Game of Thrones season eight. Oh, like just let him redo Can it. You Do imagine? It. Can you fucking imagine? <laughs> I would I would die. Blessing. Adio Junior, the new face of video games. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh released the Hideo Kojima cut of Metal Gear Solid Five, of course. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Let's go. <laughs> of course. You'll be available Konami just, Plus coming soon. It just has this more is. of him in every scene. The kind of funny games cast oh, every week, right here on youtube.com slash kind of funny games. We get together, talk about video games, all the things that we love about them. You can watch the show live with us if you are a Patreon supporter over on patreon.com slash kind of funny games. You also get the show ad free. You also get the exclusive post show. So many goodies for you out there. If you don't want to do that, that's cool. You can watch it later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games or roosterteeth.com. If you want to listen to us, that's cool. You can search for kind of funny games cast on your favorite podcast service. And guess what? We'll be there too. We like to give you so many options. Um, And speaking of so many things, there are so many Patreon producers today. Yeah, killing it with the segues. Uh, Muhammad Muhammad, Al Tribesman, James Hastings, Sancho West Gaming, Agent Cody Banks, Trent Barry, Julian the Gluten-Free Gamer, Joseph O. Yusuf, and Scott Radloff. All of you are gentlemen. All of you are scholars. We appreciate you all very, very, very much. But you guys... I want to know what you've been playing, what you've been going on. Imran, I want to start with you. I'm seeing you on, on Twitter talking some shit about our boy, <laughs> Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man the game. I think Spider-Man the DLC is a real big misstep in a whole bunch of ways. So I have this stress ball, and I use this when I'm like recording or whatever, so I have something to fiddle with. I broke it playing Spider-Man. It is now <laughs> deflated, and like air is coming out of it, because that... Spider-Man the game has a very good difficulty. It ramps up in complexity without getting too hard, as like stable agents are just like more things to keep track of, but not necessarily like that much bigger on HP or damage. Spider-Man the DLC does the complete opposite, and like here are just a bunch of fucking guys that take like a ton of damage, have zero wind up on everything, and are just impossible to kill in like prioritize in a way you would do in an Arkham game. It's it's that, and it's the fact that I just don't think it's very well designed from like a like really any perspective. Like the missions aren't fun. Like the whole, the only thing good about the DLC is the stuff that was good about Spider Man traveling around the stuff, the city, the actual core battle system. All that stuff is still intact. It's just this feels like things that were 
Oh, my stress balls like getting beads. Uh, this feels like things don't work. <laughs> Are you stressed out to be on the show right now? <laughs> <laughs> this, this feels like things that were rejected for the actual main game and then just not put in there. It's like, oh, we got a bunch of DLC, so let's just use these old ideas. Interesting. I I really enjoyed it. What you were saying there about the the things that you loved about the Spider-Man game, you love about this. I agree with what you said there. Adding on story and character, I feel like the kind of overarching plot that the DLC added, I thought was really interesting. It didn't feel like cut content. It did feel kind of like a side story that mm-hmm. gave me enough of a great beginning and great end that I enjoyed. The middle was not good and mm-hmm. got a little bit kind of messy. Um, but your point about the the actual combat itself, I completely agree with where it is. It's just kind of like dialed up to 15, it feels like, and of just more. Everything's more. They're all flying now. They have stronger guns now. They're all just there. And it, you can't, no matter how good you are at, at playing through the game, it feels like a battle that should be over in 45 seconds takes five minutes yes. just because of how much they, how many waves there are and how much they just keep throwing shit at you. And, it, and that type of padding, I feel, was very out of place for uh, what the Spider-Man combat kind of exceeds at. It feels like it was a thing that they should have called Challenge Pack 2 or whatever. And not like, but they put a story around it. And they made it a second part of a DLC arc. So it's, it's this thing of, oh, I need to get through this to finish this game. But it also kind of sucks to play this part. And also, Hammerhead feels like a villain that they didn't want to waste for Spider-Man 2. Like, they didn't want to use a good villain for this DLC. So they brought in Hammerhead, who by the time he shows up in the third DLC as like a fucking robot is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Because it's just a robot body in his head. It's like, oh no, you guys didn't decide this well at all. Now you Spider-Man. <laughs> that is hilarious. What else have you been playing? Uh, it's mostly been that, honestly. I'm like trying. I'm trying to get through my backlog and figure out what's next. And then I look at it. It's like, oh, everything I've put aside has been like a massive open world game. Mm. So it's like, okay, well, I can do this. And but I also have Arkham Knight and Horizon and a bunch Arkham of other Knight. stuff. Like there are games that I want to get through, but I don't want to do the exact same kind of game over and over. So I think I started X. Well, our XCOM, XCOM Two. And I gave that, or all I did was get my customized characters in. So right now it is just people from my Animal Crossing village, or like animals from my Animal Crossing village as people. But I, I will probably dive deeper into that once Spider-Man is done. But for right now, that's kind of my main focus. Are you trying to platinum Spider-Man? Yeah, I figure at this point it's more inertia. The fact that mm-hmm. I just, I've had the platinum on the original, so I want to keep the platinum on the DLC as well. So I think I... I finished everything that's going to be annoying. Now it's just the main missions left. That's that's it. good. Okay. Now you get to reward yourself. Have some fun. I got the Spider-Verse suit. That's all I care about. Hell yeah. Greg. Yeah, buddy. What have you been playing? Um, so I've had an interesting week. Uh, of course, we had done uh, the Ghost of Tsushima reacts, right? Uh, today's only Wednesday, so a week at tomorrow. <laughs> we did it uh, for that, and it got us all talking about how it looks so much like Assassin's Creed, which then put Valhalla back on my mind, which then just put Assassin's Creed back on my mind. So I popped on to Odyssey. I was like, I, I, I never finished uh, Legacy of the First Blade, the DLC, you know, first one. Let's jump in and do that. Thought I had a whole bunch to do. Actually ended up, I was one mission away from the end of episode three of Legacy of the First Blade. So I did that and rolled the credits there. And I was like, well, this is a good stopping point. I want more Assassin's Creed. I never really gave Origins a chance, uh, you know, by whole story. Uh, when it first came out, I popped it in. When we were talking about Game of the Year stuff. And the first hour didn't grab me. And I, ne- I just walked away. And then, of course, fell in love with Odyssey and put 
hundred plus hours on that game. So I was like, let's do that. I feel like that. And let's do that. I downloaded that. I downloaded all the DLC, started that up. Uh, I would say probably played a, a, a lot of it. And it was that thing, uh, you know, a lot of it being like five hours. I'm talking about, you know, in a week or whatever. I played a healthy chunk of it. You know, I finally made it to his wife, got on Cleopatra's court, you know, got the g- gist of like, I'm the, you know, uh, magi of uh, of um, um, uh, Egypt. Uh, like, you know, fully, not just my town anymore. Um, and enjoyed it and was playing it. But the thing I found, Tim, was that no matter what I did in that game, I kept having that nagging feeling of like, why am I not doing this in Odyssey? Like, why am I not in that world? I love Cassandra so much. I've invested so much time in that character. You know, playing Origins, I missed having choices, even though they're just dialogue choices, right? So they barely change anything. But having the ability to uh, guide the character a bit more, um, I thought the combat, well, I mean, so, so, so similar. I didn't feel like enemies were as aggressive as they were in odyssey and i didn't bother tweaking you know difficulties i'm sure that could have changed something for me too overall though it was just this thing of i started getting into the rhythm of origins and again having a great time it's a good game it's assassin's creed it's you know it's so similar to odyssey but it was that thing of like all right cool i'm running here and i'm checking this off also uh, you know odyssey had introduced the exploration mode where rather than just put the icon on the map uh, it, it would do the whole thing of like, well, it's in this region and it's north of this camp. And it's, you know, like you'd have to actually do a little bit of searching, nothing dramatic. Um, Origins didn't have that. So it was back to, you know, very much like, go here, do this, go here, do this. And I was just running through that, you know, checklist of, you know, why I love a Ubisoft game, an open world Ubisoft game. And I, you know, I think it was Saturday night or Sunday morning. I just couldn't resist the call anymore. And I fucking went back into Odyssey <laughs> and put in another, st- I don't even know. I played it. It's been it, outside of Predator last night. It's all I played. So I probably put another 10 hours up on Odyssey already of just running through. And like, I was like, okay, I didn't do the Fate of Atlantis DLC, uh, which is the second, you know, their second expansion, major expansion. And when I had been talking about it on Games Daily, uh, where I, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to do it, I'd seen people in the chat say it was good. So I was like, I'll start that. And so I started that and I was playing it and I got to the end of the mission where it's like, all right, cool. You know, you've done all the things, the door to Atlantis is going to open. And uh, then, like, there's a, a scuffle about because you're in modern day stuff now. A scuffle about with your uh, cohorts, and they're like, "Okay, cool. Like this, we need to take care of this thing." So, you know, can you wait a little bit longer to open the door? And your your character's like, "Oh yeah, you know, like it's waited this long. You can wait longer." And it popped the trophy, and I was like, "Okay." So that's the end of episode one of Fate of Atlantis. Like, what's going? And then I I went to try to find the mission, and I couldn't. And then I went in the DLC, and I had to. I was like, "Wait." None of Fate of Atlantis is installed. What I thought was episode one of Fate of Atlantis was really just the bridge between a Legacy of the First Blade and what was setting up. So, like, if I would have played it in real time, you would have beaten the Legacy of the First Blade, done this mission, and then waited for Fate of Atlantis. Like, motherfucker. So, I downloaded all those episodes, started into Fate of Atlantis, like, for real, in a brand new area, in a brand new map, running around Elysium, sinking points, doing this, hanging out with Hermes. And it's like, fucking dude, like, <laughs> this game, I was telling Blessing about it. Like, I have, like, depending on how much you want to put into it. And I know that the, you know, uh, for some people, this is the problem with Odyssey that it's like the everlasting gobsopper. There's like just so much content to it. Like I can easily see putting in like another 30, 50 hours on this of doing this DLC and then cleaning up all the side missions and running through all the additional feats and quests and stuff that are out there for just trophies in the similar, you know, vein to Imran with Spider-Man right now, as we're all in this spot right now where we have time to work on backlogs. Like, you know, I platinumed Odyssey, obviously, but now I have that thing where it's like, you know, whatever, 60, 
7% right now is my total trophies, right? Even though I have the platinum because there's all this DLC stuff I didn't do. And it's a time investment, but I fucking love being in that world. And I love how beautiful it is. And I love Cassandra. And it's so crazy to me that I, I was, or as soon as I jumped back into Origins, like, oh, I see it more of like, you know, even combat, right? I remember when I, when I first started Origins at launch, I'd be like, what's this new combat system? I don't really get it the then playing odyssey coming back to it like oh this is where all this started it got refined for odyssey or changed you know um playing in origins is just like it and it is great don't get me wrong but it's just that weird thing of like knowing there's more to do in odyssey i can't commit myself to origins because <laughs> i've already come so far and made a narrative in that game so you're uh, the the entire time that these games have been out you've been super on odyssey and like yeah. kind of whatever about origins with valhalla coming obviously we don't know too much about it yet sure but do you think that it has potential to exceed odyssey to you i mean i don't know we haven't seen enough of it right i love the setting i love the setting looks different i think that's the you know um for me such a big part of it where i for, i would say you know before either of these games I didn't have a special affinity for ancient Egypt or ancient Greece, right? But something about Odyssey's world, and me and Kevin have talked both privately and on shows about it, speaks to me way more than Origins World. And even playing through Origins World again and, you know, running across deserts and stuff like that, like, it was that, this is cool, but I like how Odyssey looks. Odyssey always looks like a beautiful, lush painting to me. And it's because, you know, Greece and it's, you know, the green fields, the way they play with uh, sunlight and mountains and shadows and water, um, looking at Valhalla and granted, you know, from the gameplay trailer in quotes, uh, I think that England looks like it's going to be dramatically different. I think that, uh, all the characters are going to be dramatically different. The, this, you know, that cinematic trailer they showed it with of the way the English think about the Vikings and the way the Vikings are actually, you know, you know, in what they showed, of course, like in it for the right reasons of family and community and all that jazz, it that gets me like I like and I like the idea of what they pitched of, you know, building your Viking town and doing all these things like bringing a few of those things that I loved about Assassin's Creed 2 into it here, combining it with hopefully, you know, the RPG stuff we liked of Origins and bringing that in here. I think all that works for me and I think I'm going to really dig it. But it's it's it, even with Origins, it's not that I don't dig it. I think you know how I am and I think a lot of gamers are, but you need to be in a mood for a game. And I think when Origins hit, I wasn't there. I didn't for some whatever reason by hook or crook, I didn't want to jump into the Ubisoft checklist what's going on game. Whereas when Odyssey hit, I did want that and I did want the RPG like mechanics, right? And the ability to change your outfit and do all these different things and change it piece by piece and have armor sets and all that stuff. What that looks like in, you know, Valhalla remains to be seen for the most part. So I feel like since it's going to be the continuation of it, and by that point, knock on wood, I will finally have, I'll be off the drug that is Assassin's Creed Odyssey and I've kicked it out of my system. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be able to give myself fully to it. There you go. I've been uh, replaying Last of Us to prep yeah. for Last of Us 2 coming out. Um, and I'm not too far. I just uh, met up with Bill. Um, but it is such a, a crazy experience for me because I, I played it when it first came out. Then I played it when it came out on a for the remastered but i haven't played through since and like that's been long i mean at what point that was like five years ago yep. something like that yeah. like like that's a long time for this game that we all know so well um kind of going back to it especially in this time i feel like i'm having such a weird unique experience with it where it feels so much more real and intense and this is added level where i'm playing on my the theater screen so it's 120 inches yeah. of the game and the the camera work where it's so close to to Joel like at all times and just the way the motion blur works 
it like really makes me nauseous and it's not it's not good <laughs> uh, like i can't play for like extended periods at a time um without like really not feeling well Fuck. but I, I feel like that's mixed with just kind of how dark and eerie the game is and how much it talks about quarantine zones and like all this like real shit that like, I'm just like, Oh my God, this is like so fucking real right now. But like all of that together kind of is adding to the experience a lot for me where it's like, it's making the game. It's making me feel a dread that I didn't know I could experience when I already know what's happening, you know, from, from Mm -hmm. playing through this game and God damn those first, the first hour is just, it just grabs you like I want to replay it again with Gia and Cool Greg, and I just just so they right. can see just the the intro. Um, but I won't talk too much about it. We already know about the Last of Us, and we have a lot of Last of Us content coming up soon. But um, I definitely recommend giving it another shot, like going back in and, and playing uh, to prep for two. I feel yeah, but, like yeah. that game benefits a lot by turning off listen mode, and I like I know some people just it's too stressful without it, but. Just as a stealth game, not knowing what's around the next corner is actually really, it really works well for the theming of that game. Interesting. Maybe I'll try yeah. that. I, I've I also uh, recently started Last of Us. I streamed like the first, I want to say like hour and a half of it last night, uh, doing a similar thing, trying to prepare for Last of Us Part 2. Uh, and with that, I've also like taken a break from Persona 5 Royal just so I can like. Oh, what a focus. surprise. Huh? I mean, the yeah. best game of all time. Just nobody can fucking play it in a reasonable amount of time. Weird. I'm just saying, 60 hours in, you know, you just got to take a break. You can't have too Dude, much of a good thing at once, you know? G- Gerard, uh, the completionist, just put up his completionist video yeah. of Persona 5. And I don't even think it's Royal. I think it's just Persona 5. Yeah. And I think it's been like hundreds of hours. 500 hours. Holy yes. shit. Yeah, man. <laughs> Outrageous. It's crazy. Man. But yeah, like Last of Us replaying it now, because I'm, I'm in the same boat as Tim, where I played it originally when it came out. I played the remastered version, I think a year or maybe a year and a half later, and I haven't played it since then. And so going back to it as a game that, you know, came out for, came out at the end of the PS3 era in 2013, uh, playing it in 2020 is an interesting thing because in my mind, that game has always felt like, you know, the most. It's always felt like the most polished game of all time, right? Always, always, it's always felt like the most like well-paced game of all time. And like in 2013, for me, I think it hit those standards. But now, going back to it, about seven years later, I'm starting to see places where I'm like, oh yeah, this is a PS3 game, right? That's the game is still beautiful. The PS3-ish of um, elements of it, it really blowing my mind, and it, I yeah, but it excites me though. I'm just like, I can't wait oh, yeah. for the PS4 oh, my God, yeah, well, yeah. Like that's that's been my big takeaway so far is that you know going back to it, there are, there are moments where the game absolutely like looks beautiful and still ages amazingly, uh, and even especially in cutscenes where I remember watching one cutscene where it's uh, Ellie and Joel and they're in an apartment at night and they're looking outside and it's raining, and I remember being like, yo, this rain looks incredible, <laughs> like Dude, in 2020. It's fantastic. And, yeah, and with HDR, I'm like, man, this game looks great in a lot of places. But then there are quite a few places where I'm like, oh yeah, like once you jump out of cutscenes, like you can see the difference between cutscene and actual gameplay. Like actual gameplay does look PS3 ish, right? Looks like a very amazing, very technically advanced PS3 game, but it still looks like a PS3 game. Sure. Um, and then in the way in the ways that Naughty Dog is good at uh animation and camera work and presentation and like framing shots and all these different things, like the game still holds up so well but yeah like as i've been playing it i've been like dude i can't wait to see what last of part two is because if you imagine that the jump between uh uncharted 2 and uncharted 3 uh going into uncharted 4 like if you imagine you're gonna have that similar similar level of like oh yeah uncharted 4 definitely took things up a notch when you look at it graphically and in presentation and 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 how it runs and all this stuff if you apply that to the last of us dude this like last of part two is gonna be (laughs) 
incredible. <laughs> which you I'm really playing, excited uh, about. Anything else? Uh, I also been playing this game Hunt Down, which I actually yeah, played specifically for uh, a segment on PS I Love You, where we pick a game from the PSN drop uh, and just like a random non AAA game, uh, yeah. and we play it and report back the next week. I just uh, Hunt Down, you just installed it? Yeah, yeah. Dude, I mean, like it looks great. It looks like a, a like neo arcade Contra kind of thing. Yeah, and it's exactly that. It's like a Contra ish, Metal Slug ish, like two D retro style sixteen bit uh, shooting game really cool has a fantastic style and usually like for games that we play for ps love you for the for our uh ranking segment like i usually don't return to them i usually don't like talk about them past that segment on to the next one right yeah yeah, usually it's on to the next one but for hunt down like hunt down is a game that i've actually been thinking of in the context of like yeah this might be one of my favorite games i've played this year right like it might be like my top 20 so far as far as like games i've played like it's really like stuck with me uh, as far as like how awesome yeah like i'm gonna send assets uh, a link to bring up the trailer here yeah, the I, trailer's I, good, I like, you, you want to listen to the trailer because it actually has like a pr- like pretty funny narration. Yeah, like the narration is good, and that narration, like the tone of the narration, carries through th- uh, through the game itself because there there are hilarious voice lines in the game. The game looks great, right? It's sixteen bit style, but they do a good job of making the game feel like there's so much going on and it's vibrant. Um, this is the trailer kinda, that Kevin's pulling up right yeah. here. Kind of struck yeah, let's, me. As- let's listen to it too for like at least thirty seconds. Uh, you got to give me a minute to set that all up. Cool. All good, all good. What you about to say? Me blessing as like remind me of Super Time Force, at least in like tone. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Or I didn't play too much Super Super Time Force, but mm-hmm. I in terms of because I, I remember Super Time Force being what like pr- pretty like light in terms of its tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it has it. It definitely goes for a more comedic vibe with with what's going on. Like basically, the setup is you're a bounty hunter, and in, in each of the levels, you're going through one by one and taking out each of your bounties, who are the leaders of these different gangs. And so you'll go into one level, and it's like a gang focused on a specific thing, right? Like, and it's very the warriors in like the the setups of the gang. And so, like, say you are going after a gang that is the warriors. You like go in. You you do a quick level, like the levels are surprisingly short, but I think that works to its benefit. You get to the end of the level and then you fight the boss of that gang. Um, and with all that, right, like that that's kind of where it stops as far as like it being serious. And like from then on, everything is <laughs> everything is pretty light and, and and funny in terms of the voice lines, in terms of the style of the game, in terms of everything that's going on. Um, it's it's really cool. All right, I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's all do right. it. Da, 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 da. And I've not heard of it all. Enter a future where crime rules the streets. When the citizens are in trouble, they call the authorities. When the authorities are in trouble, they call the bounty hunters. This is awesome. Anaconda. She knows the meaning of life. That's why she can take it away so easily. And there's a cover. Her jacket size is 38. Special. And her favorite smell is fear. John Sawyer. Cyborg. He's been a man since he was a boy. Enjoy your flight. Oh my God. Everything he owns is made out of metal. Oh, reliable. His blood type spells AK-47. Okay, okay, we can we can cut here. Yeah, so like that that is the same tone and vibe you're getting as you're playing the game. Like it it, it, it keeps that awesome. level of that level of comedy. 
Uh, and yeah, like I've almost forgot to mention, like there's a cover-based system, which I feel like you don't really get in, in 2D shooters, but it works pretty well as far as you approach like a box that's in the way and you like duck under it, or like there's a there's an opening of like a, a garage door or something so you can duck in in order to dodge bullets. It's a really cool, really awesome game that honestly, I, like I recommend anybody check out, especially you, if you're into like this this style of arcade classic shooting game. Are you playing it solo or co-op? I'm playing it solo. Uh, okay. I'm not positive if it has online co-op. I yeah, I'm not sure either. Now that I said that out loud, but I I feel like at some point in the trailer they mentioned co-op, and I was like, huh, I wonder if that's like online. Yeah. There's def- there's definitely two player co-op, but I can't remember if it's if it's online or, or not. But yeah, I didn't play it co-op because I didn't have anybody to play it with co-op. It's but... on every system: PS4, yeah, Switch, ever. Xbox One, Mac, PC. Cool shit, man. Worth yeah, pointing man. out, you say you know you never heard of Coffee Stain. Uh, this goes back to Games Daily today with me and Imran. Uh, Coffee Stain, one of the many, 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 many <laughs> Embracer yes. Group-owned ga- uh, game studios now, formerly THQ Nordic. Oh, that's really cool. They're part of the Justice League Avengers, whatever the <laughs> hell you want to call the 118 games that got over there. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I want to get to the topic of the show, but before we do that, let me tell you about our sponsors. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you that this episode is brought to you by Honey. We all shop online a lot, some of us more than others. And in this house, trust me, Joey, Gia, they have problems. But did you know you can make online shopping even better? You can with Honey. Honey is the free online shopping tool that saves you money online. It automatically finds the best promo codes and applies them to your cart, which makes online shopping finally feel as easy as it's supposed to. Uh, Here's the thing. This works on pretty much any website. There are like Hundreds of stores that you can uh, you can get. Actually, over thirty thousand stores online. Um, whether it's like Targets or you know something like Best Buy, all the way down to things like Papa John's. They're talking about here. Um, it automatically just finds the best codes for you, applies the coupons, and you're saving money. I've been using this for years. Kevin's been using it for years. Kevin, what uh, did you save money on recently? Using Honey. Uh, hold on. I just bought stuff. Oh, where was it? I keep talking about some of the Hue lights I got. I got 20% off. Ooh, Home Depot. I bought there something from Home Depot, and it, it pinged. It was like 15% off. There we go. And it's that easy, man. All you got to do is install it in your browser, and it does the work for you. Not using Honey is literally passing up free money. It's free to use, installs in just a few seconds. Plus, it's backed by PayPal, so you know that it's reliable. You can get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash kinda. That's joinhoney.com slash kinda. You guys really just do this. It's free. It's easy. It's going to save you money. Joinhoney.com slash kinda. Next up, I want to tell you about ExpressVPN. We all know that ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online, but there's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Now, many of us are stuck at home. We're running out of things to watch on Netflix. With ExpressVPN, you can trick your internet into thinking you're somewhere else and access the libraries of other Netflixes, of other Hulus, of other YouTubes. Whatever video service it is, you can do this. ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think that you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries, so just think about all the Netflix libraries that you can go through. I keep talking about this show, Last Dance. Andy got me hooked on it. It's the Michael Jordan documentary. It's amazing, but it's not available on Netflix where I am. So you can use this to access it in other places. Um, ExpressVPN is so ridiculously fast, there's never any buffering or lag. You can stream in HD, no problem. If you visit the link right now at expressvpn.com slash kindoffunny, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. You can support the show, watch what you want, and 
Protect yourself with ExpressVPN at expressvpn.com slash kind of funny. So now, guys, I want to do I wanted to do this topic for a very long time. What is the best year in video game history? I wanted to keep this kind of open and kind of just more of a discussion. I have a notepad out that I'm going to kind of like start putting some things down in case we need to to rile this all together. But off the top of your head, what comes to mind? Let's let's go around. Bless. 2017. Easy. Like that's that's the easy answer for me. Uh and like part of that is because I think 2017 speaks to me personally as far as video games go. Like a lot of my favorite games of all time came out in 2017. Like you look at Breath of the Wild, uh Persona 5, um, Hellblade came out in 2017, and then even like looking beyond that, right? Like Mario Odyssey, Horizon Zero Dawn, Near Automata, uh, Destiny 2, Wolfstein the New Colossus. Like I feel like as far as the amount of games and the amount of not just great, but amazing games that came out in 2017. I feel like trumps all other years. And then you, you also look at the console launch of the Switch, right? Which was a huge thing for that year. I think all things considered, you look at 2017. And I, it, for me, it's hard to really put up a year that, go, that goes well against it. Mm-hmm. And left off the ace in the hole, man, for 2017. Friday the 13th. Come on, bless. I oh, yeah, you're right. You're right yeah. <laughs> Fortnite, where are you at? Come on. Oh, Cuphead. <laughs> so Never 1998, actually, probably verifiably the best gear of gaming. Let me just run down some of 1998's games for you. Ocarina of Time, Tekken 3, Half-Life, Metal Gear Solid, Grim Fandango, Resident Evil 2, Alpha, Street Fighter Alpha 3, Panzer Dragoon Saga, Banjo-Kazooie, uh, let's see, Xeno Pokemon Gears. Red and Blue. <laughs> Was it 98? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Wario Land 2. NWO Revenge. F-Zero X. <laughs> Unreal came out that year. Turok 2. 1080 Snowboarding. NFL Blitz. It is actually probably like, in terms of Metacritic scores, actually probably the best gaming year. I mean, it's insane. Like, mm-hmm. the 98 and 2017 are definitely the, the two that come to mind immediately for me. Greg, what about yeah, you? Yeah, buddy. Uh, well, of course, you know, when we did this, I was like, this sounds familiar and sure as shit. In 2017, I did a video for GameStop TV <laughs> saying that 2017 was the best year in gaming. But sadly, it was then superseded by 2018, ladies and gentlemen. Red Dead Redemption oh. 2, God of War, Monster Hunter World, Spider-Man, Smash Brothers, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Celeste, Into the Breach, Octopath Traveler, Tetris Effect, Detroit, Return of the Obra Dinn, Pokemon Let's Go, Astrobot, Fallout 76, JK, uh, Florence, <laughs> Dead Cells, Moss, Gree, Minute, Valkyria Valky- Chronicles 4, and The Messenger. Come the fuck on. It's insane, man. Like, so these three are, are com- like, I was like doing some Google and trying to see what other people's lists had, and they, they come up a lot. There are, though, a couple others that are, that are some standouts. I actually want to read some of our Patreon uh, responses here Ooh. to, to kind of set the tone. Um, so here we go. This comes from Jacob Meyer. He says, the best year in gaming is undoubtedly 1987. Hmm. Wait, come back. No, I'm not Jared Petty in disguise, but really, <laughs> my neighbor Ben looks a lot like him. <laughs> Let me explain. This is what I call the Nick Scarpino method of ranking. 1987 was the year of beginnings. Beginnings for nearly every game franchise we love today. Contra, Double Dragon, Street Fighter, Metal Gear, Legend of Zelda, Punch-Out, Castlevania 2. It's not the first one, but indulge me. Mega Man, Maniac Mansion, Final Fantasy, Fantasy Star, Sid Meier's Pirates, just to name a few. The only real big name we're missing was Mario. And honestly, that would just be too much. (laughs) It's interesting. I do not subscribe to the Nick Scarpino way of thinking where just because it's the first doesn't really give it that extra boost. Yeah, nobody 
goes back to Street Fighter One at this point. Yeah, but yeah. that is still I, a banger list of games. I, I mean, I do think that that is like a, a an interesting argument. That's I think that's the interest the interesting thing about this conversation is the fact that like I'll hear any argument for any year aside from like 2014, um, because Wait, like 2014. 2014 was the year that like Dragon oh, that was Age the was mentioned one game of the year for yeah for, uh, I remember that was a weird year because like Bayonetta two came out and like nobody really acknowledged that for game of the year and then yeah. it was like oh it's Dragon Age Shadow of Mordor I'm like yeah which but... Shadow of Mordor amazing game I absolutely love Shadow of Mordor but like when that's like the bar for like oh yeah this is game of the year I feel like then yeah like it's it's hard to really Here's the thing. say that Secret, that was a great year Secret best game of that year was actually Mario Kart 8. <laughs> I'm going to read you the Wikipedia 2014 in video games. Among video games originally released in 2014, critics gave the highest reviews to Smash Brothers for Wii U, Dark Souls 2, Bayonetta 2, Shovel Knight, Velocity 2X, Dragon Age Inquisition, Mario Kart 8, Hearthstone. Other significant games were Destiny, Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor, and Monument Valley. So yeah. Like kind of a eh, year, but like that that aside, right? Like I'm I'm willing to like hear the argument for uh, what was it 1983? No, that one it was 1987. 1987. I'm willing to hear the argument that 1987 was the year where a lot of things got started. Like I think I I think you know in the in the ways that we look in in the in the ways that we look at the way people talk about you know what makes a, a year great to them like i think i think that's very valid i think also another year i want to point out i'm sure somebody in there has written this too but 2004 was yeah. a, was a very huge year if yeah. you talk about video games right like that's gta san andreas burnout 3 takedown i believe half-life 2 was that year i think shadow yeah. colossus was that year metal Gear solid Dude. 3 mm. yeah that, I mean, that year is wow it's san andreas it's half-life 2 it's halo 2 it's doom 3 it's fable sims 2 uh metal gear solid 3 kotor 2 jack 3 thug 2 metroid prime 2 <laughs> spider-man 2 come on now katamari oh, city of heroes prince of persia warrior within far cry <laughs> Unreal Tournament. Oh, hold on. no no hold on that's where i skipped over i put it in column view that i'm mean, gonna think no, no, that's right. Far Cry, Unreal Tournament 2004, uh, Chronicles of Riddick, Escape from Butcher Bay, uh, Counter-Strike Source, Ninja Gaiden, Metal Gear Solid, The Twin Snakes, Zelda, Four Swords Adventure. <laughs> very, very solid year. If RE4 sure. had managed to make its December release date in America, then I, that would, yeah, it would be 2004 with a bullet. But that slipping like one month is like, mm, if, if only. Andrew, if, uh, the alarming emu, um, doubles up on the 2018 uh, all the games that Greg said, but uh, something that I think Greg uh, missed, I, th- I think, was Shadow of the Colossus remake. Oh, I did. Uh, yeah, and oh, the Messenger, uh, which was both that year as well. I had Messenger on there. I had Messenger on there. Yeah, Shadow of the Colossus remake. I freaking love, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, the more I think about that game, the more I'm like, man, I got to go back and play it again because, like, I, I, the original Shadow of the Colossus, one of my favorite games of all time. I played the original like probably two or three times all the way through, and then the remake I played and. I feel like I kind of rush through it just because that's kind of how I play games nowadays, right? Like I, I get a new game and I immediately just sit down and just blow you through devour it. Devour it, right? Yeah, yeah, I devour it, right? And that's like what, like if you know what you're doing, maybe like a five, six hour game. And so mm-hmm. I think I played Shadow Colossus in one or two sittings, and I haven't played it since then. And the more I, like, I feel like that kind of left me with not a sour taste, but like a like a well that was shadow the colossus you know kind of thing (laughs) yeah like on to the next one and i didn't really sit i didn't didn't really take the time to really appreciate it as much as i appreciate the original games but the more i've kind of had time away from it the more i've kind of thought back to it and and the more i've kind of heard people who have gone back to it uh play it and and appreciate 
get to appreciate Shadow Colossus for the first time through that game is made me want to revisit it again because that is that is a game that for me, Shadow Colossus, right? You look at you look at games and you talk about games as like you know amazing stories or works of art or whatever you whatever you want to do. And I think Shadow Colossus is like the shining example for me of like yeah, this game, especially when it came out in two thousand four was a game that came out and it did things different and it pointed to a different direction in which you can take a game and and, and have people kind of digest the game. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like, and and as far as great games in 2018, I feel like Shadow Colossus doesn't get mentioned enough um, as far as that. It's a weird one too. Even when it was revealed, it felt so out of place and shocking. Like I remember when we were doing the reactions to the the E3 conference and, you know, Sony had been having just banger conference after banger conference year after year, like with Year of Dreams. Like that's kind of like the origin story of all that stuff. And then all of a sudden it's just there's after Last Guardian had came out, or at least we had known it was coming out around there. I can't remember the timeline exactly. But it was just like the trailer came up and it's like, is it? this is Shadow of the Claw. Like, what the fuck yeah. are they doing? And it was like, oh, it's a remake? Like, it just felt so unexpected. Like, I would have never predicted that Bluepoint would make Shadow of the Colossus remake. Yeah, it was such a weird thing to process as it was happening because I remember that was that was when PlayStation was still doing the theater experiences for E3 and I was in the theater for that. Oh, and shit. I remember yeah, dude, and I remember <laughs> I remember like the trailer coming up and me being like, "Huh, this uh, this game looks cool." And then it was the bridge, like the, when they showed the bridge, that was the thing that made me go like Y'all, this is Shadow Colossus. And legit, I was the only person in the theater that was excited. But I was excited to the point where I was like, let's go. Like, I was like, hollering in the, in the theater and nobody else was with me. And I was like, I, like, I, I guess I'm the only, only person that hyped about this. But yeah, as it was happening, it was one of those things where I was like, really? Like, y'all did this? All right, that's that's wild, but let's go. Like, yeah, let's do this. I, I, so I haven't played that remake yet. And I feel like my issue with graphical remakes is we're on the verge of the ps5 so now it's like okay well it's a graphical remake but it's from the end of the current gen hardware so i kind of wish they just would have waited a couple of years to put on the ps5 but then at that point like why not wait a couple of years to put on ps6 of it so <laughs> just yeah, never it's, it's a weird thing like talking about graphical remakes and uh, i've been thinking about this a lot because a uh, tony hawk's pro skater coming out where when it is just the, here's the core game it feels exactly the same but we're just going to make it look better no matter what, it's going to look different. And an example of that is like the Crash Bandicoot games when they remade them. I love it. They look beautiful. I love how the remakes look. But they lost this like dark shadow. They lost this like the the art style of it. And seeing Tony Hawk, it's like comparing the look of Warehouse to how Warehouse looks in the uh, the new version. Obviously, it's beautiful and it looks great. But it's just the there's lighting. <laughs> like Lighting alone yeah. changes the feel of it, you know, where it's just like, it used to be such a dark, dingy warehouse. Now it looks like a building with windows that sun's coming through. And like, it's, I'm just kind of making an observation. There's not really a point here. It's just like, it, it is weird to say quoi. I mean, like, that's a real thing. Like, there's a feel to a game. And when, especially a classic game, right? Something that we all know so well to get it again and have it be, hey, we made it look better. We do these things. Like, it can then either show the seams show how in empty an environment is change the color change the feel and then it's always just gonna sh- be a shadow of itself no yeah, yeah. Shadow of the cause is actually like they change wanderer's face a little bit and pe- some people for some people that's like actually a a breaking point of they're not going to play the remake because the face is a little different even though you never see it yeah it's crazy with, I mean, and- with, with shadow colossus that's like with shadow colossus that's actually a, like a big thing right because i feel like for that game on psc when it originally came out it was such a visual game like a big part of that game was how it looked, how big the world felt, despite it 
you know, being empty and not being actually that big when you look at the grand scope of things, but then also like the scope of the Colossi and how big they feel compared to, to how small you are. And so in the remake, like, you know, for a game where you are redoing all the assets and you are basically changing the way that everything looks, you still have to figure out a way to maintain all the same feels that you had playing the original with the look of it. And that is, I mean, no pun intended, but like that's a a, a giant task, right? Like that's a colossal task to to take on. Um, and I think I, I think for the most part, like they nailed it. For the most part, they figured it out. Like, you know, I, I was still impressed playing Shadow Colossus remake and still feeling like the Colossi were larger than life. They maintained that feeling of how big the Colossi felt. Granted, in some in some moments, I felt like the world didn't feel as big because we've gotten so many other big open world games within the last couple of generations that it's hard to really maintain that feeling of scope when you're making a one-for-one remake of the original but mm-hmm. yeah to what i think all of you guys are saying right like it's it one it's going to be different but then yeah like it's kind of a difficult thing to take on yeah it's it's funny because i feel like uh with the face stuff aside and all those little things and i, I also shadow clauses i love but i don't have this it's not like near and dear to my heart like tony hawk or crash um but shadow of the colossus remake i feel nailed what i'm talking about about the color palette and i feel like they nailed the feel of it where it's like i was okay with it because the art style while changed still felt the same because it was still in the same kind of realm of of just different types of colors and like the grass felt right you know the mountains felt right yeah when you see them for sure um Alex Brown writes in and says, hey, guys, I saw this week's Gamescast is about the best year in gaming history, and I want to know what you guys think when you look back on 2008. For me, it's my favorite year of gaming. We had Call of Duty World at War, which was my first online gaming experience, and GTA 4, which is one of my favorite games of all time. As well as that, we had so many other great games that year, including Fallout 3, Spore, Mm. Left 4 Dead, Metal Gear Solid 4, Dead Space, Mirror's Edge, Far Cry 2, Brawl, Smash Brothers Brawl, uh, Mario Kart Wii and Saint Ro- Saints Row Two, and there's That's more. A special year and Ninja Gaiden Two, Gears Two, Little Big Planet, yep. Star Wars Force Unleashed, Midnight Club Los Angeles, DMC Four, Burnout Paradise, Battlefield Bad Company. When looking back at that oh, list, man. I can't think of another year which was as packed as that with awesome games. Weirdly, <laughs> they're forgetting. I think like one of the bigger hitters was Persona Four. It was like a late, late, late PS2 game, but it was a huge game in that like it set Persona. I set up the series up for success in America. Uh, you're also forgetting Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe, everybody. So it's not that's it. Happened. I mean, that yeah. Dude, something that's really uh, impressing me, actually, is like reading through this and having this discussion is like, cool, we all kind of have the obvious, the 2004, 90, 1998, 2017 conversations, but it's like, there's been a lot of years with just oh. a lot of oh, yeah. Dude, interesting I wanna, arguments. I want to make an argument for 2016 which I think gets overlooked as far as being an incredible year, right? Like, uh, let me turn to my other tab because I switched it off. But but 2016 was the year we got Overwatch, Uncharted 4, A Thief's End, uh, Dark Souls 3, Inside, Dishonored 2, uh, uh, Final Fantasy 15, The Witness, Titanfall 2, Firewatch, uh, Doom 2016, right? Like, these are, those are like big generation-defining games, some of those. And like for me, that's that's for me. I think 2016 might stand behind 2017 is like my favorite year of the gen, right? Like I didn't even mention like Last Guardian, which could be hit or miss depending on who you are, um, and quite a few other games. Deus Ex, Mankind Divided, um, Hitman, the original, the, the not the original, the remake or not the remake, the reboot. <laughs> um, yeah, like quite a quite a few great games come out in 2016. We got a uh, Mikel writing in, bringing up 2010. Mass Effect 2, Red Dead Redemption, and Undead Nightmare, Fallout New Vegas, Ooh. 
Mario Galaxy 2, Limbo, StarCraft 2, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, Halo Reach, Bioshock 2, Dante's Inferno, Super Meat Boy, Enslaved, Vanquish, Alan Wake, God of War 3, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops, Heavy Rain. It's interesting. Like that, th- this to me, like that's a great year, but it's not the best year. And I, I wonder why I'm, I'm feeling that. And I think when we look at what makes 2017 and 20 and 1998 special is the fact that, and even in 2018 to an extent, goddamn right, show some fucking respect to him. It's that they're not just sequels. It's like kind of, or even if they are mm-hmm. sequels, it's not just like derivative. Like we expect that type of sequel. We, it yeah. is a Breath of the Wild type game or a God yeah. of War type game. Like- I feel like the games that came out in 98 and 2017, especially are games that have either have impact as we can say about 1998 or we can foresee to have impact as, as I would say about the games 2017, right? Like the legend of Zelda breath of the wild. Like I could see ways in which that game is going to continue to influence open world games. Um, PUBG, right? Like that was the game that really broke out as far as battle royale and what battle royale would be. And I believe Fortnite came out in 2017 also, but then, no, actually, no. It it got um it Save got Battle Royale came out in 2017. I think end of the year Battle Royale came out. Yes, end of the year we got Battle Royale, but Battle Royale didn't really pick up, pick up until 2018. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you know, in the other Hellblade, right, is a game that I think was innovative. Uh, Cuphead was a game that came out and had an impact and had people rally around it because the game felt so special and so different and so cool. Uh, Near Automata, I feel like a lot of people make the argument that 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 game had such a unique uh, and one of a kind story uh and it tackled its themes in a way that felt one of a kind to that game like there's so many games that came out in 2017 uh that i feel like you can attribute to like the start of something new horizon zero dawn you know also like the start of something new taking that uh and this whole conversation and kind of having a, a tangent for a second do you guys think that there's even a chance that playstation will ever have a better two years than 17 and 18 because I, I just feel like that's magic in a bottle right 2001 was really good for them. Do you remember that? Have you seen that image of like, here's 2001 in Flipation? It's like Devil May Cry, GTA 3, FF10. Like, yeah. solid two. God damn. Yeah, that's pretty freaking good. But I just feel like over 24 months, like they had some yeah, ridiculous games. 2017 was Horizon Zero Dawn, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, Persona 5, Near Automata, just for PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And I guess Resident Evil 7, if you count VR for that. And then. And I think Hellblade was also exclusive for PlayStation at first. And then, yeah, in 2018, that is when you got Shadow Colossus, God of War, uh, Spider-Man. I don't... Yeah, I honestly don't... Lessing, I like you a lot. You're missing a very crucial part of 2017, which is Yakuza 0. <laughs> Fair. And there was, like a, there was like a run of Yakuza games, right, from 2017 to 2018. Once, it, once Zero became successful, they were like, oh, yeah, let's bring everything over as much as we can. Yeah. Uh, to your point, Tim, I mean, it's possible. It's going to be really hard. And some of that, I mean, you look at that and you wonder about, well, delays, was this always the plan? How did that shake out? But you figure with the stable first parties they already have and then them getting their games out in this way, you'd imagine that heading into PlayStation 5, right? Maybe the chips fall that way again. Maybe you do see, you know, Santa Monica and Bend and, you know, what, maybe a second Naughty Dog team or whatever start delivering in a cadence, right, where it is all on a stream. Because, I mean, you figure... Here it all played out well for them, I think, in terms of pacing and everything. Mm-hmm. And then you look at this year with delays and shit, right? Where Last of Us is on top of Ghost of Tsushima, which is on top of PlayStation 5. Like, I'm sure that's not how they wanted this to actually shake out. Yeah. Uh, William Ramos says, what's up, Gamescast crew? To me, the best year in gaming is undeniably 2007. Some of the biggest ever released that year. And a lot of gaming and most beloved franchises made their debut. We got Mario Galaxy, Halo 3, 
the most anticipated game ever up to that point. Um, Bioshock, Modern Warfare 4, uh, which was the birth of the Call of Duty juggernaut, Uncharted, Portal, and of course, Mass Effect. To me, the only other years that even come remotely close are 2011 and 2018. Anyway, games are cool. We've had a great run lately. Let's hope this train continues. <laughs> We've had a great run. Like we're packing it up. We're done, everybody. <laughs> we're done. Well, we've I mean, had a great run, everybody. Let's take 2021 nope. off because of the pandemic. The orange box was huge. Yes. The orange box is one of those things, like, when you think about it, like, the value of it, like, zero cents. Of why would they put all these things together that are worth, on their own, they probably could have gone for 60 bucks. I understand, like, it would have been an uphill battle, but Portal is one of the most influential FPSs out there in terms of, like, it made it FPS mean something other than like a World War II shooter. And Team Fortress 2 is a fun foundational multiplayer FPS. Yeah. Like it's a Dude, huge thing. Like Team Fortress deeper. led to Overwatch in a lot of cases. Yeah. Dig deeper in 2007, and maybe some of these got said and I missed them, Tim. I apologize. But Puzzle Quest <laughs> debuted. Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, which one was that? The yeah, War of the Lions, yeah. yeah. Skate, Warhawk, Peggle. Peggle, baby. Do you think we'll ever get a Peggle 3? Yeah, probably. Right? That's I, why I want it so fucking bad, you guys. Or I, I'll even take Peggle 2 on mobile. <laughs> it's weird, yeah. Like I, I now that I think about it, it's weird that Peggle did not become a big mobile hit. Because it feels like it was really poised to. It was in there early. It just EA did not capitalize. Fucked it all up, man. What a surprise for me. Yeah. <laughs> what a surprise. Um, let's see here. Price so is this is actually fan. some fantastic insight and research that Billy the Door did. Hey, guys, I got carried away. Here's a link to a spreadsheet with the top oh. 50 games as rated by Metacritic from 2000 to 2019. I took the average scores to get what everyone on the internet loves, an arbitrary number to sum up an entire year's worth of creativity. Our winner is 2001. Based on the games list, it's tough to disagree. This year had a ton of bangers. Melee, Halo, GTA 3, DMC, Paper Mario, MGS2, Final Fantasy X. God damn, 2001. <laughs> oh, um, shit. And our loser, to no surprise to anyone, is 2014. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, it's more arbitrary than Metascores. User reviews. 2003 <laughs> takes it with Wind Waker, KOTOR, and the best Mario Kart, uh, which, of course, is Double Dash. Something Fuck interesting I noticed, it seems like there is a pattern of the year of the year after console release, 2006 and 2014, the numbers take a noticeable dip, perhaps due to the lower number of games released, but I think that also says something about console life cycles. Uh, I know it's not perfect at all, but I had a fun time plugging away on the true game of the century, Microsoft Excel. Thank you, Billy <laughs> the Door, for this. So that's interesting. So 2001, but I wow. guess that like Metacritic and like the way that he did this, says one side of the story but there's also that's also bringing in a lot of the bad and when we think of best year in gaming we're not thinking about the bad you get what i'm saying no like, what do you mean bad do you mean like disappointing games no but i mean like like this would take into consideration if there's a shit ton of bad games out mm-hmm. that's going to change the the, the conversation oh, yeah. whereas I, when yeah. we're talking about best year in gaming we're not mentioning the things that were bad we're only yeah. talking about we're only bad. talking about the highlights yeah yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah i see what you're saying yeah but yeah, I, I didn't bring up Mass Effect Andromeda in my 2017 conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Interesting pick. What's up, Greg? 2001. Interesting pick. Yeah. 2001. I I, I go for it. I, I just think it's an interesting one because kind of what we're talking about, um, about the sequels and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like 2001, it, when we look at those games, that 
that's kind of like the definition of the PS2 era. And I just think that when all said and done, the PS2 era is going to be down going down in history as beloved and super nostalgic. Like there's going to be so much great memories tied to it, but I don't think that those are going to be the games that have that kind of like ocarina of time level conversation. Like I feel like Metal Gear Solid 2 for everything that it was will never be looked back on the way Metal Gear Solid 1 was. Sure. No, you're crazy. People like I, go people go nuts I mean, over Metal Gear Solid 2. Well, people go nuts over Metal Gear. I, I, yeah. I would say like me being one of them. <laughs> like Metal Gear Solid 2 was definitely that kind of game that was divisive, but I I think it has more of a it has a bigger fan base than the original in terms of just people who go looking at games individually. I agree with you that it has a bigger fan base. And like that's absolutely true. I think Metal Gear Solid 2 is the most popular Metal Gear Solid period. But mm-hmm. when we're talking about quality, I feel like people have a rose like rose tinted glasses looking back at the experience and what Metal Gear Solid 1 did that they don't talk about the bad whereas Metal Gear Solid 2 there are a lot of people that are like, well, this 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 this. Are we talking about like the year specifically or are we just talking about like PS2 versus versus PS1 in terms of the way we look at the games? Um, I'm talking specifically about 2001, kind okay. of like those games, that lineup of games very much represents the Xbox, GameCube, and PlayStation 2. And while some of them are super iconic, like I, there's, I don't I know, but GTA 3 is yeah. iconic. All those games are iconic, but I don't know that we would necessarily say they are, it's the best year in gaming because of that, right? I, I see. Yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. Because I, I, for a second, I thought we were talking about like, you know, iconic games on the PS2 versus like iconic games on the previous generation to where I would have brought up Metal Gear Solid 3 as like a game that people I think hold up there comparatively to Metal Gear Solid 1. Um, do you say 3 is the best in the series? Yes, for sure. sure. You're absolutely you're absolutely right. And Ron and Ron is the, the correct one. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 is the best Metal Gear Solid game uh, followed by uh, 5. No, not 5. Four. Five has the best game. Followed by any of the Metal Gear Solids. Really, just three is the best one. Just an all an amorphous blob of Metal Gear Solid on that side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every Metal Gear Solid is unique. Yeah. That I can stand by that statement and that statement alone. But I, I'm with you on 2001, though, Tim, on what your point is. Uh, yeah, great year, but it's like, how many would you go back and would those be the ones you want to play, especially in those franchises, too? And that's kind of my point is that they are so iconic, and like I just feel like even the just that generation of games, there's something about how they'll age that I don't think holds up in a way that a lot of the other games we're talking about do. Like because it's just like there was like a core something about Half Life that it coming out in 1998 is fine. It's still Half Life, whereas like some of these games have just changed so much and evolved so much over time that they're not necessarily like GTA Three. Is but I mean, one like, of the most iconic games of all time, but it's like it's not the gold we don't standard. Talk about, that's, that's we don't talk about them, but not about Ocarina. Yeah, it's it's true for some of them, but I don't say all of them. Like I don't think you'll find some people who will say Half Life Alex is better than Half Life Two, but I don't think the vast majority of Half Life fans would say that. Yeah, um, Liam Dixon says I believe 2017 will go down as the year that helped define the future of gaming. Breath of the Wild is the game that all future open world titles will be compared to. Mario Odyssey did what 64 achieved in 1996 and redefined the 3D platforming genre. And Persona 5 is now the benchmark for all JRPGs. Outside of gameplay, PUBG was the catalyst in the success of the Battle Royale genre. Resident Evil 7 showed the world the possibilities of VR. And, and the loot box controversy of Battlefront 2 kickstarted a, conv- a conversation surrounding microtransactions that will persist for quite some time. While the games from 2017 are without a doubt some of the greatest ever made, the influence of that year is something that I believe should be considered when discussing the greatest years in gaming. 
I feel like there are some reaches there, but I I understand the old the the, the overall <laughs> argument. Honestly, yeah. like we were talking about Sony's best year, I think 2017 might be Nintendo's best year in a way that they fired on all cylinders at the last two years they spent recovering from it. That like yeah. it was Breath of the Wild, Splatoon 2, Arms, which what are you whatever you think about it is a big initiative from them. Yeah. Mario Odyssey, Mario Kart uh, 8 Deluxe. Yeah, Mario there was Rabbids. There was a ton of yeah. stuff from Switch. Yeah. But but it, like in terms of software they were making or publishing, that was probably their most like uh the the highest output they've had in the last five, six years. Yeah. And God, Mario yeah. Odyssey and like, Breath of the Wild. So, I remember people like, like all... they just straight up did not think Odyssey was gonna come out. Like there was a thread on a recent era that was like, why does Nintendo keep lying about Mario Odyssey's release date? Because there was no way that Odyssey and Breath of the Wild would come out the same year, but Nintendo was like, no, fuckers, buy a Switch. <laughs> no, motherfucker, we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, like to the point of the, the person who wrote in, wrote in the question, right? Like Mario Odyssey as a game, I don't think will redefine 3D platformers in the way that Mario 64 did because Mario 64 kind of came out and kind of redefined yeah. 3D and games, no, period. No game is going to do what Mario 64 did. Yeah, period. like I, I think that at this point, it's just kind of impossible to see that kind of revolution again. But... I do think Mario Odyssey is argue. I I would hear the argument that Mario Odyssey is the best three D platform ever made. Like I th- I think that's a valid argument to make. Um, so that's all the the responses we got here. Like, there's a ton of people saying 2017. Um, a surprising lack of people bringing up 1998. Um, which I don't know if that just says something about age or my generation. Or yeah, or what? <laughs> um, I, can I give a shout out to 2015? Also, I, we didn't bring up 2015 at all. Yeah, 2015 was a year. Yeah. Yep. Metal Gear Solid Five, The Phantom Pain. Like I remember, I remember the argument going into that year of like, oh, what is Game of the Year going to be? And I, I think it was mid-year that Fallout Four was revealed because it was at, at that E3. Um, but even leading up to that, right, we were, as we were getting The Witcher Three, I think that's when we were like, okay, cool, we know Fallout Four is coming. Uh, Fallout Four is obviously going to be the Game of the Year. But then Witcher Three comes out, and everybody's like, fuck, this game, <laughs> this game's incredible. Um, and then Metal Gear Solid Five, Phantom Pain comes out, and like in the ways that we were talking about. Uh, games kind of redefining what a genre is going forward. I think Metal Gear Solid Five. You want to talk about stealth games and stealth combined with open world. I don't think there's a game that's done it better than than Phantom Pain. And I think like you know we haven't really seen games necessarily take direct influence from Phantom Pain yet. But I think I think you can make the argument that Breath of the Wild uh, has some influence from there um, as far as like make like creating big worlds that are totally influenced by systems. And so yeah, like. Between those three games, Phantom Pain, uh, Witcher 3, and Fallout 4, but then also throw in there uh, Rocket League and a few others, I think it was a very, very, very good year. MGS5 was the game that convinced me that, like, oh, it doesn't matter if Kojima doesn't have access to Metal Gear Solid or, like, he doesn't write crazy stories. He can still make an incredible playing video game. I was super wrong about that, but I still think in general... (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) Death Stranding is going to be a future classic. Death Stranding is the opposite of MGS5 in almost every single way. But well, also for 2015, uh, Until Dawn, uh, Life is Strange, Undertale, Ori in the Blind Forest, uh, no. over yeah, how, no, Overwatch 2016. 2016. Yeah. Um, her story, Mortal Kombat X, like 2015 had a lot of a lot of excellent games. Yeah, it was Bloodborne DLC was that year as well, right? Because Bloodborne was Probably. early March, and the DLC would have been December, I think. And the the DLC is it's like some of the best DLC out there, like. From software DLC, almost never fails to deliver. Dying Light, Mario Maker, also. So to to close the episode out here, 
I want us to come to an answer, at least try our best to come to the answer of what is the best. So right now, we got 2017, 2018, 1998. Let's start with 2017 versus 2018. Okay. I feel I feel like 2017 has the argument of just numbers. Like, I feel like the amount of amazing games that came out in 2017 compared to the amount of amazing games that came out that came out in 2018, I feel like 2017 has a has a larger number. And you're, you're fucking grinning as you say it because it's not true. You know it's not true. You're talking. You're out on a ledge. You haven't counted the games. There's more games in 2018. Period. It might actually come down to like a cultural preference in a way because like most of 2017's bangers were Japanese. Most of 2018's were Western. Hell yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Hmm, that's a very good point. Honestly, both because, are like, yeah. years. I still think that 2018 has the 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 juice, the nudge. I think that carries it over. I mean, as Red someone that did, didn't like. Red Dead Redemption 2, I feel like 2017 is it for me. It's a much better year. It's funny because, I mean, like, at the end of the day, I, I'm a Nintendo guy. So it's like that gives me, like, 20, sure. not giving it to 2017 is crazy, but 2018 had God of War and Spider-Man. Like, yes. And, and Smash, me, right? Those, and those are the type yeah. of places. Yeah, but Smash is, I don't count it even. Like, <laughs> Smash coming out that year, like, Smash Ultimate, I fucking love the game, but it's like, it, I, I don't credit like 2018 and smash ultimate like that's just kind of like uh is it because it's like a living games so it's like yeah some of the it, biggest announcements for banjo and, and it came like out like in like in like december yeah which i know doesn't necessarily like take away from it being a 2018 this isn't your personal but, opinion about what fucking year the game came out the game came out in 2018 it goes in the bucket no, of 2018 games i understand that but that, that's to go back to my argument of like they're just derivative sequels it's just a derivative sequel like i'm not gonna like weigh that higher like sequel. as one of the like top five games we're talking about for 2018 well, yeah, I mean, just, definitely my favorite we were just making the argument about gta being like there having been better iterations on the same formula i think smash qualifies in that same logic yeah like i think it's the best but i don't know i don't know it didn't make yeah, 2018 weird. special to me you're a weirdo you're a giant weirdo <laughs> and i don't understand you uh i mean and even then like okay smash ultimate versus breath of the wild mario odyssey like Fair. That's fair. That's a, that argument I'll give you. Sure. Yeah. And arms. I remember, like, in 2018's, like, in Game Informer when we did the Game of the Year conversation, it was, by the time I called in because I was working on something else and called into the meeting, it was literally just God of War versus Red Dead Redemption 2. And I was like, I was in there prepared to fight for Monster Hunter World really hard. Like, oh no, everyone already cast by that. It's just, it's these two games with the discussion. And I think that's the thing, is, like, that was the caliber of that year, and we joke around about it, but, like, how you know, Spider-Man was so excited at Dice to win best graphics or whatever the hell they won because they finally won something. <laughs> this game, Spider-Man, that any other year would have pro- not had an all easy cakewalk, but like would have at would've least been. been number two, would have got the silver medal instead is like fucking constantly playing bronze to Red Dead and God of War or Monster Hunter you get involved in there, like, or Celeste. Also, yeah, I, mean, it's, it's so interesting. I feel like 17 and 18 in a lot of ways are a tie because every single thing you just said, I feel like we can replace those game names with equals for the other year. Yeah, because for, yeah, for 2017, I'm like, dude, we're forgetting about the amount of unique indie games that came out for Switch in that first year. Like, we're forgetting about uh, Golf Story. We're forgetting about uh, Snipper Clips. Um, Fuck off with Snipper Clips. You insult this conversation by bringing <laughs> Snipper Clips into it. Snipper Clips was excellent. 
I'm I'm a little shocked, Ray, that all this 2018 evangelizing you've been doing, you did not say Odyssey once. I did. I did in the original <laughs> run, but I'm not crazy enough to sit here and tell you that it would have been game of the year over this. That's how it's going The bench is so fucking deep. Tetris Effect I can go grab. Obradin I can go get. Florence I can go get. I'm just saying Astrobot. Astrobot. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Mr. Adioye. Do you remember Astrobot? Do you remember that? I, I, Sonic Mania, though, you know, came out in 2017. Also, Pyre. You, you are high. You've been smoking stuff. I don't even know. The reefer over there. Oh. Tim, I just noticed your lights match your jacket. That's a brilliant move, and I appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Divinity Original Sin 2, not my cup of tea, but 2017 has that, Greg. What you going to oh, do? Shut the fuck up. Why? The Messenger, Valkyria Chronicles. <laughs> I was playing that with uh, my girlfriend last night. I've never seen her get more irritated at a video game than that one time. Yeah, I saw her tweet this morning about some boss or something that wasn't fun. Yeah, there was a fight that was just the enemy just keeps respawning as long as there's fire on the ground. And yeah. she got so mad, we reloaded back about an hour. Wow. God. Okay. For a second, I thought you were talking about like traveling. an actual real life boss. Like I thought she was fighting with somebody at her work. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Should we be talking about this on air? 2017, we also we got uh Resident Evil 7, we got Cuphead, we got Hellblade, we got Near Automata. I'm saying like Everybody's when you're talking off. about breath, night in the woods, breath of the wild. What remains of Edith Finch? Wolf side of you don't agree with me? Vote. Go ahead. 2018 vote. had dead cells. Yeah, dead cells is fucking Minute, amazing. Green. Moss was good. Yeah, inside. Hollow Knight was 2018. Wait, inside. Is... Yeah. Inside was 2016. Might have been a. Point. But I think. Um, oh, the Switch port. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at a thing of like games that scored higher than 90. I still go 2017 personally because like 2017 has multiple game of the generation candidates for me. 2018 does has Monster Hunter and Spider Man, which are two the two games I love the most that year. But did you not love God of War? I thought it was fine. It it made me a little motion sick, which is the main problem I had with it. But sure, I I I personally I was not in love with it as much as everyone else was. Fair. All right, I'm just personally going to say they're a tie. How dare you? Let's take the conversation now of bringing in 1998. I, it's so hard for me to not give it to 98. No, that's nostalgia talking. No, but it's not though. Because we're talking yeah. about the best year. We're talking about like think of these games like and the reviews that they, they got at the time and deserved at the time of yeah. Ocarina of Time, Tekken 3, Half-Life, Metal Gear Solid, Resident Evil 2, Pokemon, Red and Blue. It's like that's are we running off are we running off 2004? We sure are. Shut up, Blessing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I would not put 2004 in the same league as these. I think it's right behind. I don't know if you guys agree. It's a I mean, if I'm, the only, if I'm the only one that's thinking this way, then... It's fine. I, I like 2005 a little bit more, but yes. Oh, God. I just realized how dumb this conversation sounds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Banjo-Kazooie, dude. Like, the, Crash Warped. Oddworld, there's so many, so many freaking classic, classic games that are legit good. Yes. Like they have the quality and like the the generation defining elements to them. For me, it's if you can you go to those series that still remain and go back to those original games and go like have an argument for that, those being the best games of the series. And if so, then I think that year stands up. So it's kind of the opposite of the 1987 conversation. Yes. Because <laughs> I, I think there are people who would legitimately make the argument Ocarina of Time is the best Zelda game. There are people, people who definitely say Tekken 3 is the best Tekken. About that for MGS Those as well. Those people are absolutely wrong. About well, Tekken 3? would you give it to? Tekken 7. Ah, uh, yeah. I Tekken guess. 7 is fucking perfect. It's, a, it's, it's, it's incredible. Tekken 3 got 10 out of 10s, man. 
Video game reviewers just got to the point where like they they just they don't want to get fighting games ten out of tens anymore. That's that's right. I said it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was the last fighting game that got a ten out of ten. Smash probably. Probably actually, you're probably right. Half Life, man. Pokemon, man. I don't know. I don't know. I I will say. Probably no one's good. There are a lot of people with nostalgia for Pokemon Red and Blue. I don't think anyone would go back and say they're the actual best games. No way. Definitely. I'm with you on that. But I also don't think, I think that Pokemon's probably the example out of all of these, Red and Blue specifically, that would drop the most in review score mm-hmm. when you look at the future of the series and like how it all kind of plays out. But I think that comparing 98 to 2017 and 18, I feel like there are more 10 out of 10 quality games. In '98, but you're saying so you're saying there's more ten out of tens here, but then yeah. I would ask though, but like what about nines out of tens? I think the more. The I mean, I think that as well. I, I mean, Starcraft also came that out that year. Yeah, sure, but I know fucking Charles on yet nerd over here. I want to play that crap. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But a lot of people were. Greg. I know, I know. Hey, man. I, I, whatever side of the argument benefits me and what I want to argue, that's what I pick for the moment. For the moment, you know what I mean. I'm not. I'm not for being. We should do this objectively. And like, fuck no. I like God of War. I love it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I Resident Evil Two. Like, I think legitimately people will go back and say, even after the change, people, even after the remake, people might go and say Resident Evil Two is the best in the series. They're insane. Yeah, take understand. Off the I understand that. Wait, Pokemon Blue and Yellow came out in '98. So here's the thing: uh, Wikipedia is wrong about <laughs> about the Pokemon release. You could have just stopped early. You could have just said Wikipedia is yeah. wrong. <laughs> uh, Red and Blue came out in '98. Yellow came out in '99. I don't know why. Okay. Wrong. If you look at their individual Wikipedia pages, they have the right dates. Gotcha. All right. I was confused. I was like, I didn't really, I didn't, because I'm looking at a thing that said Yellow came out in '98, and so I was like, wait a second. Yeah, it was a Japanese release. That's why they're listing it. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. I, well, Symphony I of the Night was 98. What the hell? I just, well, what do you yeah, say? Symphony of the Night. The oh, oh yeah. Castlevania Symphony of the Night. That's yeah. the other one. It's like we're talking 10, 10, 10, 10. It's insane. Are we talking about US release? Specifically. Oh, Symphony of the, or, <laughs> I, I think we for, are. For all these games. I think we're trying to, unless if it's our okay. argument, then we're changing it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. If it benefits your argument, that's how you argue. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here's here's what we're gonna do to definitively rank these. <laughs> kind oh, wait, of funny. Symphony and I came out in '97 in both North America and Japan. Shh. Wait, what? Why? <laughs> yeah, Symphony. Oh, it's it's staggered release. That's why. It was a staggered release. Saturn release. They they released our part of the Saturn. Oh, Saturn. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So we're, what we're gonna do is each of us is gonna rank the three years. I like it. I like it. 2017, and twenty eighteen. Yeah. Do you guys have your answers? Yeah. Yeah. Greg's gonna be so mad at me. <laughs> Damn right I am. <laughs> okay. Imran, go. I'm gonna say 98, 17, 18. I did the exact same thing. You suck. You right. Plus. 17, 98, 18. <laughs> Greg. 18, 17, 98. And there you go. 1998 <laughs> is the greatest year in video game history. Thank you very much for joining us this week on the Kind of Funny Games cast. We are about to do 
the post show um, of the Gamescast for patreon.com slash kind of funny game supporters, uh, where I'm just going to click on some of the other years we didn't talk about and just see, <laughs> see what, like what, what's up with 1992. We'll have to, you'll have to support our Patreon to find out. 